the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and today we have the second part to my interview with Christopher Tellison. Now, we couldn't have done this interview without Jeremy Weinstein. And Jeremy, thank you very much. And congratulations on completing your work with the Editors Guild. Today we're going to be talking about art, photography, and Christopher's work with the movie Kids. So, remember, before I get into this interview, if you haven't had a chance, go check out aotg.com assembly. If you haven't heard about it, we've got a new magazine coming out, and it's a digital interactive magazine that connects content from our database to articles. We've gone around the world and we've hired several editors and academics to write articles on new ideas in editing. So we have everything from neuroscience work on how the mind understands a cut to work in how editing affects the mise-en-scene of a project. And of course, we're going to be showing this off at NAB. So if you are going to be at NAB, check us out. We're booth SL15816. And you can always check it out live because we're live streaming from that booth all day during all of NAB. So if you can't make it to NAB, you can always check it out live online. And we're going to loop it at night. That said, I have more information about NAB, but I want to get into this interview with Christopher. So here's part two of my interview with Christopher Tellison. To short, sort of shift gears a bit, I was talking to Jeremy Weinstein, and he was saying oh, that... Oh, Jeremy's wonderful. He's great. He says that you're a big fan of uh, Pierre Pasolini. Oh, yes, I love Pasolini. And I was wondering if you could sort of give us a bit of an understanding of who Pasolini is and, and what it is that attracts you to his work. Well, he's a poet, and his work is poetry. And like films like like Akatone and The Gospel of Saint Matthew and um, my God, um, Sallow. I mean, they're they're just somehow. I mean, his films have a kind of a and and Mama Roma is very interesting. It's so brutally edited. It's like the editing is like brutal, and there's something very exciting about that. Like it's it's like very bluntly edited, like here and there, and then it but but very moving and odd. I think that he had, as a filmmaker and as a poet, had a kind of a raw personal energy that's, that you don't see very often. Well, like just, just reading up on him for this, it seems that like his stuff gets darker as his career goes along, as he yeah. sees sort of things in his life from from the wars to everything after the war. He come, it, Was he a part of the neorealism movement? I'm not too sure. He's, he's been He's pretty much after. He grew out of it, though. He totally grew out of it. Jeremy was also saying that you're a big art fan, and particularly photography. Uh, who are some of the p- photographers that you're a fan of? Oh, well, Larry Clark, and that's a part of um, what got me so I was like, thrilled to edit you know, his first film. Larry is really an extraordinary 
photographer, incredibly influential and very um, immediate, I would say, you know, when they, they think of his work, it's like photographer as participant, not as an observer. It's like very in your face and very, very um, real. It's not, not that kind of objective gaze, very there, very present, and kind of separate that from the experience of looking at the picture. But then, you know, there's there's other work that I find moving in odd ways, like the Brandon Hillett Becker, the, the German photographers who did the grid photograph of, like, um, industrial buildings and farm equipment, <laughs> which is, has another mystery and beauty. Um, I, I don't know. I could I could go on into so many Diane Orbis, Lee Friedlander, William Engelston. Um, I mean, I, I could there's like a laundry list of, of photographers that I admire. Well, it's, it's interesting that you talked about Larry Clark because you cut his first film, Kids. Uh, like yeah. you were. Yes, that's what I know. So how did you, how did you two meet? If you're you know this, you get to see this yeah, photographer that you. The way that worked was I was at a point in my career where you know I was I was on the short list when that project came around, and I got a call I went to meet Larry and. It was like we kind of had a, an understanding. It was like it was clear that you know that that I got it. And he also talked. We talked about things like um, he said when the films that really influenced kids stylistically, but not in content, were um the John Cassavetes' Killing of a Chinese Bookie and um Elaine May's film Mikey and Nikki, which is a really strong 24-hour piece and. Kids is a 24-hour film, and that's like, really that's that's a wonderful. It's a, such a challenge to make something, you know, the, the the sort of temporal aspect of a movie is very important, and in that film, it was extremely important. And the, the inspiration is the Cassavetes film, which I'm, I'm a huge John Cassavetes fan. I actually saw Killing of Chinese Bookie the day it opened. I was one of ten people in the audience. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was very excited by that. And so we had a lot to talk about immediately. And uh, I just sort of got it, you know, and I was excited to do it. Wow. And because it, it's such an interesting film because you, it works a lot with unknown actors. How did, how did the, these... Oh, that's, that's the inspiration and the, the brilliance of Larry as, a, um, as like one of the, the great casting people. I mean, he, he, number one, he casts people in his photographs in a way, just uh, that they're, he has a wonderful eye. I mean, he discovered Rosaria Dawson, who's gone on to have a much larger career. She was a 15-year-old girl who was like an extraordinary beauty that he saw sitting on her, her uh, you know, in the East Village in her, on a fire escape. He said, you want to be in a movie? And then the rest is history for her. Yeah, exactly. And Chloe Sevigny was like a, kind of a girl and then she was like hanging out with the skateboarders and stuff and doing things. And he knew her and she was cast in the film. She was actually cast at the last minute. He was going to have, I forgot the name of the actress and I don't want to, you know, but there was an actress who was, would have been the only person that would had any acting experience and as soon as he saw the group together and her, he said, no, we have to change this. It doesn't work. I mean, she, she stands out in you know, the wrong way. And he bumped up, uh, and Chloe had had a smaller role, and he bumped her up to that role very wisely. There was interesting, there's an interesting casting story in, in Metropolitan also, where um, the, actually the, the actor in Metropolitan who plays the bad guy, Rick Von Sloniker, he was originally cast as Nick in Chris Eigenman's role. And I even, I saw 
some footage of that was shot, and it was like clear that he was wrong. And then he found Chris Eigenman to play that role, which is like a very inspired performance. And then moved to the Will, the fellow who was in that, to run the other role. For kids, how did they how did they go about shooting things like the kids smoking cigarettes, or because they're all underage? Oh, that's like you know what can I say? They just uh, like. It was a very fuck you thing. It was a, it was, was guerrilla filmmaking. I, we had a very a lovely um, script supervisor, the girl with the script supervisor who was so smart because she said, I'm, I'm just going to like sort of like watch them, you know, because it's ridiculous. This isn't something that you needs a script supervisor per se, you know, I and mean, you need to know that there's shots of this, that, and the other thing, but there's, it was chasing it, you know, it was like, it was all like kind of happening and pre- creating it on the moment, you know. It was not like repeating. Though, though, uh, I will say this much: the uh, actor who played Justin Pierce, who played Casper, he had a natural sense of continuity. I mean, he was there's the scene where he's he's really drunk and he's smoking in the bathtub in the, one of the late party scenes, and whenever the cap started again, he'd rip his cigarette to the right height, the length, and then light it on his own. That's a real, you know, instinct. But that's another thing. Interestingly, from that world of, like, skateboarders, they were kind of performers in a way. And they, um, the stronger performers were obviously the stronger performers. So it's, 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 it's kind of intuition, intuition. Well, that's, that's so much casting is intuition and taking chances. Can you tell me about working with Harmony Corinne? Because he wrote this project initially. Yes, he was very present during, during kids too. He was there all the time, you know, during the shoot and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, and then he went on to write Gummo, which, um, I was, I was working on, um, the People vs. Irish Front at the time, and it, was, it didn't look like I was going to be able to do it because the time wasn't right. But they shot it, and they kind of they had someone that they did, it just wasn't working with this harmony. And they they asked me if um, if I would do it, and I you know I had to finish what I was doing. And while I was finishing Larry Flint, I was getting daily from Gamma to look at and think about. And uh, interestingly, the dailies had come up because I had read the script. And the script basically was like, I'd say, as far as the shooting goes even, threw away half of it, and mostly improvisation. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of the footage and a lot of the scenes, a lot of some of the strongest stuff, is completely like improvised stuff, found footage almost. Like uh, he sent PAs out with high cameras around the town because it was shot in Charlotte, Tennessee, I believe, is the place for Zeno, Ohio, which was it's almost like the real Zeno, Ohio, is a real place that was hit by a hurricane, but it becomes something kind of mythological, otherworldly, and dreamlike. And it doesn't matter where it is; it's a state of mind rather than a place. And some of the footage that came from those those like shoots are just extraordinary, like those those kids talking about about killing cats. And those are local kids. And this this area, this very highly depressed area, which I don't think is very interesting about Gummo too, is it's really about the rural poor. And interestingly, the rural poor are almost the, the most disadvantaged. Urban poor, they have they have examples. There's like there's museums. There's you know, life around them. Rural poor, they don't have, they don't have much. And in, in this situation, it was like you know when you're when the hierarchy is so. Is so dreary. It's like 
to the whole thing of like the cats become these sacrificial objects almost. And that was something that I was very conscious of in that like the cat was like a Jesus, like a symbol or something. And I kept looking for, I looked a lot for, for cat imagery that I just found and, and added to it to get a spine for that. And the whole thing of like, you know that the, the cat in the beginning is love, the little um, foot foot. So it's love girl, the young girls, and then you know, you know if it's fate. So that was my interview with Christopher. Uh, catch part three, it's coming up. We're going to get it out just before NAB. And in the meantime, if you're going to NAB, remember we're booth SL15816. And you can always play mini golf at our booth. You can chill and just have a cup of coffee. You can take part in a live stream of us live streaming, or you can bind things out. You can also uh, check out our new magazine. It's aotg.com assembly. And of course, you can always just enjoy the site, aotg.com. If you have any questions about this, or once you've seen it, you want to let us know anything, you can always get a hold of us at info at aotg.com. Now, if you remember, we've, we've got a new contest. It's can you figure out what Richard's been saying on our Google Voice number. And that voice number, again, is 423-352-7678 or 423-352-POST. That's 423-352-POST. And if you want, you can always just leave a message, chat with us. And in this case, we want to know what Richard said. So the message that we received via email in our Google account was, Hey AOTG, Bloomington, Indiana, message, bye. And if you remember, this is Richard testing out the system. So we've had a few guesses, but no one's even close. So take a wild guess. Let us know. And again, you can always send us uh, your guess via email. It's info at AOTG.com. Or you can get us via phone, 423-352-7678 or 423-352-POST. Now, I'm going to put out a few questions here this week, and you can call in and let us know what you think or what your your ideas are about a particular thing. Uh, and we're going to put out a question this week, and the question this week is, Christopher Tellison really was inspired by a lot of art and photography. So what art and photography inspires you or what is your artist to go to or photographer that you go to for inspiration or if it's outside if it's in uh, musicals or plays or anything like that send us an email it's info at aotg.com or call us 423-352-7678 423-352-POST and leave a message let us know so with that said i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go remember check us out at nab that's sl15816 and you can always come by the booth or you can watch it live on AOTG.com. I'd like to thank Christopher for allowing me to interview him. I'd like to thank Jeremy for helping set up this interview. And of course, my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.